Hey guys, my name is PD and I'm super excited to be here with you today in the second Torah portion um, of this series. We're right at the beginning still uh, of Leviticus and last week we looked at the animal sacrifices. We talked a bit about what they, what the reasons are for them as well as we, we also touched on intentional and unintentional sin. And the best of all is we connected all of this with Yeshua and we connected it with his sacrifice, the offering that God made towards us to set us free from sin and to enable us to walk in holiness. So today we're going to look at Leviticus 6 to 8. This is a really awesome uh, portion. I had such a great time um, reading and delving into this one and just studying it. And I'm really excited about this one because the Father has, has opened a few things up to me that I can't wait to share with you guys. And so this portion's, portion's name is Command. And uh, we're really going to go on with the same kind of trend as last week. Expand on a few of the things we mentioned last week, as well as go into a few new topics. Um, I'm really excited because next week is the Passover or Pesach, as, as a lot of people would call it. And... And we're going to be also talking a little bit about that here. But then next week, we're going to dig into Exodus and we're going to talk about the Passover. But I'll, at the end of the video, I'll give you the scripture for next week. Um, so cool. Stay tuned for that. Okay, cool. So I want us to dig right in Leviticus 6 verse 1. It's, and Yahweh said to Moses saying, when any being sins and committed a trespass against Yahweh and has lied to his neighbor about a deposit or about a pledge or about a robbery or shall extort from his neighbor or has found what was lost and has lied concerning it or did swear falsely so that he sins in regard to any one of all these that a man does. Then it shall be when he sins and shall be guilty that he shall return what he took by robbery or what was extorted or the deposit which was deposited with him or the lost item which he found or all um, that about which he swore falsely. He shall repay its total value, add one fifth more to it and give it to whom it belongs on the day of his guilt offering. Now, this is a very important lesson for us, and I really believe that we should still hold on to this teaching. You know, the, the word says that if you um, swear falsely, if you lie, if you if in some way you accidentally or on purpose, you know, um, take away from your brother, you know, we are to restore to them what we took or the loss that they had plus and this is the part which we usually don't do we have to add one fifth to it so if something happens i restore it to them and i add one fifth of for myself i put a sacrifice towards them i give them more than they you know than i took because that is a gift that is a a, a a, hey, I took this from you. I am so sorry. And I'm repaying you even more to confirm that it's not just a, oh, you know, I'm sorry, but it's a real, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for what I did to you. And today I want to restore this in love, you know, and see loving God and loving our neighbor starts with this. It starts even in the Torah. 
you know, a lot of people would think, oh, but that's the teaching of Jesus. But everything that Jesus taught or everything that, you know, Yeshua touched on was here. He started, he said, I've not come to give you a new commandment, but which my, that which my father has given you from the beginning. Now, this is what we are talking about here. All of these instructions that we're going to get into in this whole series is about love. It's not to burden. It's about love. And it shows us how to love because loving is very, you know, we don't really know what love is as, as a people, as a fallen people. We don't know what it is. So we need to go to the word and see what love is. Right. Verse six. Then he brings his guilt offering to Yahweh, a ram, a perfect one from the flock with your valuation as a guilt offering to the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him before God, and he shall be forgiven for whatever he did that made him guilty. So see, this is awesome because it's not just returning what you took to your neighbor and adding one fifth to it, but including the father in this process. You see, so the offering is made, you know, the, the sacrifice is made with this um, this 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 uh, return to the neighbor and so that in other words what we're doing is we're including the sacrifice of yeshua as well we're including him and we're we're saying father lord i have come and i have sinned against my brother and father today i want to restore to my brother everything that i've taken from him whether in extortion or stealing or whatever it is and i want to add one fifth to it father and i pray lord that you would forgive me for what i've done father and lord i pray for forgiveness from my, from my, from my brother, Lord, and for him, from me, Lord, and I pray for peace here. You see, and this is what they did, man. This was, everyone was involved and God was involved directly. You see, and that is what we need to do today. We need to go to our neighbor or whoever it is. And we need to include God whenever we have a dispute in the same way that I just made that example. We need to really include the father. All right, great. So, um, I want to jump to verse 12. Um, and here we say, Verse 12, uh, and the fire on the slaughter place is kept burning on it. It is not put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and arrange the sending offering on it and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Fire is continually kept burning on the slaughter place. It is not put out. You see, and here I want to show something to you. When the father repeats himself, he's not being redundant. Okay, when God, especially in Leviticus, and this goes for every other book in the Bible, when something is being repeated, okay, God is not just doing it for being for the sake of it. He's doing it because there's something he's saying, I'm repeating myself. There is something you need to look at. You need to pay attention to this. This is that's what repetition is about. Okay, so the repetition that we see here in verse 12 is, and the fire in the slaughter place is kept burning on it. It is not put out. Verse 13, fire is continually kept burning on the slaughter place. It is not put out. You see what I mean? There's something that God wants us to see here. Now, before I studied the Torah, like before I really dug into Leviticus, um, I remember one day, this is before I read this and understood this, uh, well, a while ago, you know, I, I was, I remember one day I was praying to the father. I said, Lord, father, I feel like my fire is going up. You know, I feel like, Lord, I feel like I'm, I'm struggling to, 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 to keep um, committed to, you You know, study, start struggling to just be on fire for him. You know, it was being a struggle. And I, I'm sure a lot of you have had that, you know, and 
I heard it so clearly the father say to me, you're not putting wood on the fire. You know, and that was so amazing for me. I was like, father, you're right. I'm not putting wood on the fire. You know, I'm not doing something on my part. You know, well, I'm not doing enough on my part to keep my fire going. Because see, a lot of people think I just confessed to Jesus. I love him. And now the fire, I'm on fire. And now that's it. I don't have to do anything. But that's not true. We need to continually put wood on our fire to keep us burning. And see, we are to, the word says that we are to be a living sacrifice. Get this. A living sacrifice for the father. A living sacrifice that burns continually. Just as we read here in this sacrifice being burned continually. How does this how do we how does the sacrifice burn continually? By placing wood on it, obviously, right? So here he says, I'm just gonna say, and the fire on the sword place is kept burning on it, is not put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. Every morning, every, in other words, every day, you need to put wood on your fire. You are to be a living sacrifice for the Father. And every single day, you need to put wood on your fire by reading the Word, by prayer, by, by going and loving on people, being Yeshua to people, you know, by spending time in the secret place with the Father. Every single day you need to put wood on that fire. And if you, do, if you miss one day, if, if one day you go without putting wood on any fire, guess what happens? The fire goes out. It starts dying. You know, and, and maybe like a day later you see some coals. It's maybe a bit hot still. But the day after that, guess what? It's dead. There's no more fire left. And then we're in this place where everything starts going wrong because there's no fire. Because we want to try and make our offering to the Father. We want to try and come to Him in repentance. We want to come and, and say, Oh, Father, thank you for forgiving me. Meanwhile, the fire for our atonement is out. You see, when we are lukewarm, there is no fire. You know, there is no fire for that atonement, for our sins. The, the sins of Yeshua, that Yeshua dies for. We can't come and bring our sins to Yeshua without having a fire burning. See, our fire, we need to be on fire continually for God. We can't be lukewarm and say, Oh Lord, I'm lukewarm, but forgive me. Oh, but next day, Oh Lord, I'm lukewarm, but forgive me. It doesn't work that way. Every single day, the Father expects us to put wood on our fires. And so in, in, in Revelation 315 we read this in the New Testament as well. He says, I know your works that you are neither cold or hot. He is saying that you are not hot. You're not on fire and you're also not cold. It's not like he's, he's talking about a certain fire here. He's talking about a fire that is not burning, but also one that is not dead as in there's no, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not cold and it's also not hot. So this fire is kind of just being like helped along a little bit one day. And then maybe two days later, the fire is being helped along again, but it's not hot and it's not cold. And he says, I would have, I would that you were cold or hot rather. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, rich am I and I am made rich and need none at all. And do not know that you are wretched and pitiful, pitiful and poor. 
and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you become rich and white garments so that you become dressed that, that so that the shame of your nakedness might not be shown and anoint your eyes with ointment so that you see as many as I love are approved and discipline. So be ardent and repent. So when our fire starts becoming not hard and not cold, but, but lukewarm, you know, we, we start drifting into that state of lukewarmness. We start sinning and, and we fall, start falling into habitual sin. And then atonement stops. In the previous Torah portion, we talked about habitual sin, sinning with intent and rebellion to God and how there is no longer a sacrifice for those sins. This we are we confirming that again. When you are lukewarm, you start falling into habitual sins. You start falling into rebellion against God because lukewarmness is rebelling against God. Because he says in his word, you are not allowed to be lukewarm. So you are to be hot. And if when you fall into lukewarmness, there no longer remains an offering, an atonement for your sins. The, the atonement of Yeshua, the blood of Yeshua is no longer there for you. If you continue in habitual, continuous sin out of a place of rebellion. Right. So guys, again, I'm stressing this. We need to run off the off to the father on fire and see, this is what this channel is about is we need to rise on fire and we need to stay on fire. We cannot afford to backslide. Right. So now I want us to jump to verse 15 here, uh, Leviticus 6:15, and shall take from it his hand from the fine flour of the grain offering and from its oil and all the frankincense, which is on the grain offering and shall burn it on the slaughter place for a sweet fragrance as its remem remembrance portion to Yahweh. Now, now this is interesting. He says that, and this is, we see, we read this a lot. You know, we, we're going to read, if you read through these portions with me, you'll see a lot that it says, you know, there's a sweet fragrance that comes up after an offering is made. Now let's talk about that sweet fragrance for a second. In the new uh, David, um, we read in the Psalms, um, David talking about this. He, he gives us a, some revelation on, on what this fragrance is about. He says in, in Psalm 141 verse 12, let my prayer be before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. You see, and, and that's it. He, the, 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 the sweet fragrance that we were talking about here when it's, it's connected and always connected to the prayers of the one of making the offering. And in other words, our prayer. Uh, so we know about uh, Yeshua praying in, in Gethsemane, right? And his prayers are also as coming as a, a fragrance before the father and see the Gethsemane is in the garden, you know, right before he was offered, you know, right before he was crucified. Um, he had this prayer before the father, you know, and in, in 2 Corinthians 2.15, we read, because we are to God the fragrance of Messiah among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So that fragrance which went up when, when the Messiah was praying right before he was offered, his, his prayer was as a fragrance offering before the Father. And so in the same way we read it here in Corinthians that we are to God that fragrance. We become to God that fragrance, that same fragrance that Yeshua 
prayed and that we, because he died for us, when we pray and we, 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 um, he, we use him as our offering to the Father, our prayers as, are as a, a, a fragrance aroma to the Father. You know, it's like an a, a, um, incense. You know, I don't know if you've ever known, like burned incense or it's a, that beautiful smell, you know, and that is what the, our prayers are to the Father. But see, now, the thing is, is that for our prayers to be answered, for our prayers to be heard by the Father, for our prayers to be a sweet fragrance aroma before the Father, we need to come before Him with clean hands. We need to come before Him in repentance. We need to come before Him with fear and trembling. And all of these things that we've been talking about, we, we need to come before Him not um, in rebellion, you know, not in, in, in this sinful intent all the way. In other words, coming before him, making a prayer, turning around, returning to our sins and then coming to him before again and then praying and saying and praying and then turning around and returning to our sins. See, we cannot have that because if we have that, our prayers will fall on death ears. Our prayers will not be a fragrance aroma to the Father because our offering is invalid. We cannot have, we cannot use Yeshua as our offering if we are in habitual sin. All right. So, so our, a lot of people, they ask the question, Oh, why is God not answering my prayers? Why is he forsaking me? And, and there's, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why, I mean, father has his timing and all these things, but there is a place where he does not answer our prayers because we do not come before him in the right manner. Right, so we need to come before him in the right manner. And so then he will answer our, our prayers. The word also says that the, the Lord answers the prayers of the righteous. You know, so we can't be in habitual, continuous sin and expect God to answer our prayers. All right. All right so let's go to Leviticus 6.16. Uh, then Aaron and his sons eat the rest of it. It is eaten with unleavened bread. In the set apart place, they eat it in the courtyard of the tent of appointment. It is not baked with leaven. I have given it to them as my as their portion of my offerings made by far. It is most set apart, like the sin offering and the guilt offering. All the males among the children of Aaron eat it. A law forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by far to God. All that touches them is to be set apart. Now, this is so interesting, and I'm sure there's a lot of you maybe who don't know what unleavened bread represents. And this is awesome because next week we it's going to be Passover and, and we're going to start chatting. I'm going to chat about Passover. Um, and so Passover is this 24 hour. It's only 24 hours. The, the feast of Passover It's only 24 hours. And then after that, we've got a seven day feast right after it, a seven day feast called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we're definitely going to talk about it next week a lot more. But what this represents is um, getting sin out of our homes. So in the Feast of Unleavened Bread is what we do is we clean our homes from all the leaven in our homes. So leaven is kind of like what makes the bread puff up, you know, and so leaven represents sin. Okay, leaven represents sin. And, and so this whole seven day feast then represents getting the sin out of our home. We, we eat un, only like unleavened bread. In other words, it's, it's the bread that isn't puffed up. Um, we eat that for the seven days. We don't eat leaven. We don't have leaven in our homes. And when every single time we eat the leavened bread, it's this reminder of, wow, 
like I need, I'm cleansing myself from the sins of, of my habitual sins and my 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 sins that I keep falling into and, and so on. So here we read that the, that Aaron and his sons come and they come and they they eat the, the, the meat. All right. And we, we talked about in the, in the previous portion of how the meat is, is taken home as a feast. It's, it's this whole celebration. OK. And we can also connect it. That's eating of the meat with the eating of the body of Messiah. When Jesus said at Passover, he said this, he break the bread and he said, this is my body. Eat of it. Right. And so the unleavened bread is also connected here. And here he says it is eaten with unleavened bread in the set apart place. And so here what God is really trying to tell us is that that when we eat the body of Messiah. And when we, you know, here they ate the meat, which is connected to the body of Messiah. And when we eat that body of Messiah, of the Messiah of Yeshua, when we eat the bread, we need to, we need to do it with repentance. No sin, no leaven, but repentance, unleavened bread. All that touches them is to be set apart. And he's saying here that if you partake in it, if you partake in, in eating of this, you know, the unleavened bread with the offering, if you if you continue, if you partake in it, you need to be set apart. You need to be holy. You need to walk in holiness. You can't walk in unholy things and partake in the body of Messiah. And so we read about this in the New Testament, too. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, for he that eat and drink unworthily, Eat and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So if you participate in communion, if you participate, I mean, and communion is part of it's it's something that I mean, it's even started right here in Leviticus. You know, the thing that we the, the, the Messiah and at the Last Supper, all that he did is he connected communion with. He said, all right, so you guys you remember what you did in Leviticus. So now let me show you that everything that you did there. It's actually me. It's pointing to me. I am the sacrifice. I am. So here. So when we so when we partake in that communion, if we, you know what we call communion, when we partake in the, the eating of the bread and the drinking of the wine, we need to take it so seriously and we can't do it unworthily. We can't take it, do it casually. You know, in a lot of churches, sometimes I found that communion is something very everyday, very Oh, thank you. Cool. Bread one. Cool. Thank you. Done. You know, it's not taken seriously. It's casually. And see here, he actually says that if we take this thing casually, we eat and drink, drinketh damnation to ourselves. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. Because we don't discern the Lord's body. We and maybe, you know, when we come and do communion casually, it can also be we're not really repenting. We're just kind of like, eating it and drinking and oh, thank you, Lord, for your body. But we are continuing in our sin and we are not turning from our sin. You see, and I would rather say that if you're not repenting, if you're not in repentance, if you're not turning from your sin, if you're not coming to the father and repentance and say, Lord, I want to Lord, I'm, I'm giving you my sins. Father, I take this from me, Lord, take this thing I've been struggling with for 10 years. Take it. I'm done with it, Lord. You know, if you're not coming to the father in that way, do not even participate in communion because you're drinking and eating damnation to yourself. You're 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 basically um, making it a something that is cheap. And so we can't afford. We need to take it so seriously, guys. All right. Now, in Leviticus 721, um, this is something um, very interesting, you know. Um, so right here in the middle of this 
whole thing, we get a few dietary laws thrown in. Right, let's let's jump in. 721, he says, And when a being who touches that which is unclean, of uncleanness of man, or of the uncleanness of beast, or of any unclean abomination, and shall eat of the flesh of the slaughtering of peace offerings that belong to the Lord, that bring that being shall be cut off from his people. So so that sounds pretty serious, right? Now this is let me let me ask you something. It's very weird. You know, a lot of us, a lot of people would say, um, so all of the unclean kind of stuff, that's uncleanness of beasts and uncleanness of this and that, it's abolished, it's not applicable anymore, you know, it's it's not whatever. Now in Leviticus eleven, we've not even gotten there yet. Okay, Leviticus eleven is still coming. But in Leviticus 11, we get the, the laws where God actually really delves deep into these. Um, so he says, you know, this is unclean to you. This is unclean to you. This is unclean to you. And this is what is clean to you. This is what's clean to you. And he goes on and he, he, he discerns. He sets apart. He makes holy. He says, this is what is clean. And this is what's not clean for you. Right? He said, this is what's an abomination unto me. And that, this is what is not an abomination unto me. And he, he establishes the standard of holiness because holiness means set apartness. If you have holiness, you need to set something apart from something. All right. So, but that's weird because here he's not established that yet. Here he has not said this is what an unclean beast is. And this is not is what a clean beast is, for example, or what an, whatever. He, he did not establish any of that yet. But here he tells them. If you touch anything that's unclean and you come and make an offering before the father, it is an abomination. He, he says that he says actually says this person that does that, you need to cut him off from his people. Don't even speak to him, you know, and, and so this is weird because they don't know what scripturally speaking. They're not really knowing what it is yet, but. That's not true because Noah in the beginning, in the way beginning in Genesis, Noah, when, when, fa when the father told Noah, Noah, I want you to, to get the animals into the boat. He said something about clean and unclean animals to Noah. Even he said in Genesis seven, verse two, take it, take with you seven pairs of all clean animals. And that's where the Bible story ends, right? Like, I mean, when we when we read our, our kids stories, we know we have seven pairs and that's it. But that's not what the verse is. It goes on and says, take with you seven pairs of clean animals, the male and his mate and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate. So in Genesis, in Genesis, no one knew what clean and unclean is because he, he must have knew to follow this instruction. So God says seven pairs of clean. And then I want you to a pair of the unclean animals, just one. I want you to put in the boat because God knew that Noah was going to need to live off the animals that are clean because Noah is not eating unclean animals, obviously. So this tells us something, you know, and I touched this on my unclean video on my, I, I, I've got a video, you know, um, did God change his mind about unclean foods? And I, and I encourage you to go and watch that if you're, if this is foreign to you. So, but anyway, um, so this is, tells us that even in the beginning, Adam and Eve way beginning had to know 
what clean and unclean was. God had to come and tell them, even before Noah. So someone before Noah, God had to come, and I want to submit to you, it's Adam and Eve. God had to come and tell them, guys, this is what clean is to you. This is what you, but this is what unclean is to you. You know, this, and God set that standard of holiness in the beginning. Right, and now I'm going to ask the question, did God change? I'll ask the question in my video of, of unclean foods and please go and watch that because I delve deep into this matter in that video. All right. I want to submit to you that even if we don't understand why we shouldn't do something just because God says we need to follow what he said. I want to submit to you that there are spiritual and physical reasons, both spiritual and physical. You know, a lot of people get sick from these kind of things. And there are also spiritual reasons in terms of, you know, the question of why God cast the demons into unclean animals. I mean, Yeshua, you know, he cast the demons into unclean animals. And so there's spiritual reasons for the for the for the things that God tells us to eat and not eat. And there are physical reasons. So we need to follow what he said, even if we're not 100 percent, 100% scientifically sure, you know, why it is. But. That being said, there is an incredible amount of science that would tell us why we shouldn't eat blood or unclean animals even, you know. Right. So uh, lastly, in this in this in this portion, I just want to I just want to chat about um, the reasons. I, last week, we talked about the reasons for the sacrifices. And this week, I just want to I want to I want to just expand a bit on that just a little bit. OK, so uh, first off. When we, as we go along in this, we, you're going to see that we're going to read a lot about statutes and ordinances. And so Lord would say, this is a statute to you throughout your generations forever. Or he would say, this is an ordinance to you. Now, what's the difference? Is there a difference between statutes and ordinances? Yes, there is. So a statute, and this is the first five commandments of the Bible. They are statutes. So a statute is it's something, it's, it's not self-evident. It's something that, you know, you're not actually sure why you should do this. It's kind of like, okay, you know, God, or, or how to do it rather even, you know, it's kind of like, okay, so I need you to love God. That's what the, that's the first commandment. So love God. How do I love God? You know, I don't, if I tell an unbeliever, love God, it's, oh, okay. But how do I love God? You know? If I tell someone, love your neighbor, you know, it's like, okay, but how do we love our neighbor? Yeah, I can tell them I love them and that's part of it. But there is actually a lot more that encompasses loving a neighbor. If I tell someone, honor your father, and your mother, you know, it's okay. But how do I really do that? If I tell someone how to keep the Sabbath day holy, it's, but that's not self-evident. How do I keep the Sabbath day holy? So you guys get my drift, you know, and so this is these are things. These are commandments that are not self-evident. It's things that I don't understand why I really should do it at first, maybe. But I need to because God said it. OK, and then secondly, we have ordinances and ordinances, which we'll read in the word as well, are things that are self-evident. So when I tell someone, do not murder, do not steal. Right. All of these kind of obvious commandments, they're they are self-evident. It's it's not there's no question about it. There's no no there's nothing we need to really explain further. It's very easily understood. Now, with our kids in our household, you know, if you're a parent, maybe or whatever, you've got kids and in our households, we have those commandments, too. 
You know, we have a lot of commandments that are statutes. So we tell our kids, do not touch the hot plate. You know, do not touch the oven. That's hot. You know, you, you're going to burn yourself. You know, we, but we don't. And the kid would, if he's really small, he would say, oh, but, but why shouldn't I, why shouldn't I touch it? Because I said so. You know, they might not understand at first why they shouldn't do something. Or if I tell my, my, my daughter, hey, you know, don't, don't go out that late. I want you to come home at like 10 or 9. I don't want you to go home out that late. And they get angry at us. You know, teenagers, they get angry at us. They're like, no, but why are you doing this to me? Why? Because I said so. Because you're under my roof. So would it, would it shock you that as our, we are kids, I mean, and we are the kids of the Father, children of God. And see, would it shock you that if God did this, God did the same thing to us? He would tell us, I, I want you to not do this. And we say, God, but why? I, it doesn't make sense. Uh, because I said so. That's why. Because I said so. But the real reason is, is He loves us. And there is something that we may not understand. We're not capable of understanding you. And guess what? When the child, when our children start um, keeping our commandments, keeping our instructions, what we tell them, do not go out at nine or after nine, you know, and then they stay home. You know, they don't go out after nine and they, they hear of their friend getting in a huge fight or something, someone getting hurt after nine. And then suddenly they get this revelation that that's why mom and dad told me I shouldn't go out that late because they love me. You see, and that is it. But if the child goes out after nine and he, he ignores the instructions of the parents, he would never understand. Well, he would struggle to understand the instruction. And see, in the same way, our statutes, the, well, the statutes of the father, you know, when we keep them, stop questioning the father, you know, stop questioning, Lord, why should I keep the Sabbath? You know, and that's one of the things with the Sabbath, for example, most people don't keep it because they're like, why, why should I, why should I do that? It doesn't make sense. There is no, nothing in it for me. You know, what, what, what's the perk, you know, but the thing is, is that the father says you keep it. He doesn't always explain why, but see, when you start keeping it, you start realizing this is why. This is, you know, when I started keeping the Sabbath, it was this thing like, oh my father, I can't believe I've been missing out on this my whole life. This is the most blessed day of my life. Today is Sabbath and this is the most blessed day of the week for me. Every, when Sunday hits, I'm like, when is Saturday coming again? Because I want to be with my father. I want to have the Sabbath again. And so I never knew that when I didn't keep the commandment because it's not self-evident. Right. So guys, this is, the whole point of the sacrifices as well with the let's just talk about this. So, so the father, he came, he comes to Israel and he says, so Israel, all of your possessions, the, the meat of your possessions, they are in the, the bulls and the goats and, and your animals, you know, it's the, the animals were their property. It's what they lived off. It's, it's what determined wealth. You know, and the father says, so I want you to take your animal. I want to take, I want you to take a perfect one. I want you to take something that is whole and perfect without blemish, without spot, the most valuable one you have. I want you to come and kill it and sacrifice it for me. I want you to just kill it. And, and I'm sure when, when Moses told them what the father was telling him to do them to do, 
the people were like, but why should we do that? That's crazy. What are we going to get out of it? I mean, there's no point. It's not logical. It's not, it doesn't make sense scientifically. It doesn't make sense logically. How are we going to live? How are we going to grow our wealth? How are we going to, what are we going to eat later on? What if a, store, a poverty hits us? What are we going to do? No, but, the, but Moses, but God says, God said, so stop making excuses guys stop making excuses of why you're not keeping the instructions of god and start doing it because he said so that's the only reason we need and i want to submit to you that if you do it because he said so and because you love him because the lord the word says that if you love me you'll keep his commandments and the one who says that i love him or i know him but i don't keep his commandments that one is a liar and the truth is not in him and I submit to you that when you keep his commandments because you love him you are going to get hit with a revelation of why God gave you that commandment. You're going to see, oh Lord, this is why. Lord, this is why I needed to keep this because you love me and this is why you blessed me. You see, this is, this is why. But see, you'll never know why if you don't keep the instruction. The, 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 the animals, why God chose animals, one of the reasons is, it's just, it was for them, it was something very much of value. It was a possession. It was something that they... It was like, oh, we need to give this up. We don't know why. And see, God was separating the true followers of him from those who only had a profession of faith, but lacked the power, lacked the true sacrifice on their part, lacked the true, true mindset of, Lord, I don't, I don't, I'm going to follow you no matter what, even if I don't understand what you're saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And see, those that had that mindset of following him no matter what, they did the sacrifices. They, they gave it to him, even if they initially didn't understand why. And see, those that didn't do the sacrifices were cut off from the people. Or those that, that despised the instructions of the Father, they, would cut off, they were cut off from the people. And so here the father was separating the two. He was separating his bride from those who were just along for the ride. Because I'm sure there's a lot of us in the, our churches, a lot of people in, in, in the body of Christ, in Christianity, who are only along for the ride. They're not here because they, are, they love God. They're not here because they, they're the true bride of Christ. And so his instructions, God's instructions, keeping it or not keeping it is what's going to separate you from the rest. Because see, holiness is connected to walking as Yeshua walked. And if you do not walk as Yeshua walked, and he kept all of the instructions of the Father, if you do not walk as he walked, you have no part of him. And he will one day say, Depart from me, for I never knew you, you worker of lawlessness. If you have been in rebellion to walking as he walked, if you have been saying it's abolished, I don't need to walk as he walked anymore. Jesus died for me so I can do what I want. He died for me so I can be free from the law. Man, that, there's something wrong. And, and God will one day tell you, who are you? For I commanded you to walk as I instructed you to walk because I love you. You are my son. You're my child. I want you to, to do what I say because I love you. I want to protect you. And I want you to walk as my son. As, and I want you to walk in holiness. I want you to be good. I want you to love. But because you have not walked as I told you to walk, I do not know you. So we really need to walk as you walk, guys. We need to to to. To, to follow him and you know again look at my video how to have perfect theology where I where I explained how to have perfect theology walking as Yeshua exactly like him if, if Yeshua kept the Sabbath 
are you keeping the Sabbath? You know, if, if Yeshua, you know, turned the other cheek when people heard him, when people despised him, are you doing that? Did, the Shua, did Yeshua ever gossip about someone when he got hurt? No, of course not. You see, so we need to walk as he walked in everything. And see, I want to submit to you that in this series, we are going to see and learn a lot more of how Yeshua walked. Because he is the word of God made flesh. And the word of God is what we have been reading, you know, this past few minutes. You know? And so next week, we're going to be looking at uh, Exodus 33, verse 12 to 34, verse 26. And if you want, that's that's a really short passage. If you want, you can also go and, and, and read up about the Passover, read about of, of, the, of, of, of you know, what it meant and, and so on, because we're really going to dig into the Passover next week. And it's going to be amazing because we are going to be discussing the Passover lamb, which is Yeshua. And what better to do on the Sabbath day for a few minutes than to talk about that. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this this message, Father. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would come and and give us a greater, greater death and revelation of your word, Father. Lord, there are many things that we didn't even get to in this these few minutes, Father. But today I ask you, Father, to to come and, and next time, Lord, when we read of these things, Lord, when we for next week, Lord, when we dig into these things, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and, and minister to our heart great mysteries and revelations, Lord, because we need you, Father. We seek you, Father, and we need to, to know you better, Lord. And Father, I just pray for holiness to come. I pray, Father, for healing to come. I pray, Father, for all theology that we have learned while growing up to go in the name of Yeshua, that is not of you. Everything that is of you, Father, let it increase, let it grow, Father. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for everyone watching, Father. If there's anyone here who's got any pain right now, Father, in the shoulder, we command that shoulder to be restored in the name of Yeshua. Lord, I thank you for freedom there, God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for all pain, top to bottom, healing in their bodies right now, Father. Everyone watching, Father, I thank you for freedom right now. I thank you, Lord, for covering us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And God, I just pray, Lord, for deliverance, Father, from everything that's not of you. And I pray, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would help us to walk more as Yeshua. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Have an amazing day, guys.